Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome. Thank you for joining us, everybody, for an awesome podcast. At least we hope, we pray that it's going to be awesome, but you're going to love it as much as we do, because this Torah portion is very special to our hearts. It is Vayigash, and he approached. And you can find this in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 44, verse 18, through chapter 47, uh, verse 27. And of course, who approached? Judah approached. And who did he approach? Joseph. Judah approaches Joseph. I think you have a few things to say about that, don't you, Pastor Nick? You know, this is actually a, a prophecy that we're seeing unfolded even today as people are opening up their hearts to the opportunity of Christians and Jews actually working together uh, side by side for a common purpose. Uh, of course, without you know either one trying to convert one another or evangelize one another, but to realize the simple fact of respecting uh, Judaism, respecting Christianity. And uh, this, this teaching is very, very dear to my heart, as I call it a teaching, but it's actually a story that took place. And so... We're going to see uh, an incredible story played out as well as uh, restoration and, uh, and just renewal, renewal of a family reunion. It's an incredible family reunion like, like no one has ever seen or heard before, and it's coming. It's coming in the earth today. And so uh, we, we, of course, uh, we asked this question, what brother came close to Joseph to speak with him? It's, of course, Judah. Judah approaches Judah. Joseph. Judah approaches Joseph. Now, time will not permit us to, to lay out the whole story or the storyline, but we won't hit the main points, but it's, it's definitely a, a happy ending. Uh, Judah was the one that wanted to sell uh, Joseph at one time, and of course the brothers were so envious of him that they literally wanted to slay him. And uh, one of the underlying things that's found in, in this particular story is an unloving spirit. Uh, it's a vicious cycle that, uh, that we can all fall into, uh, it's kind of interesting uh, in, in that regard. But, uh, you know, Joseph, he felt unloved by his brothers for, because of what they uh, were going to do to him. Actually, his, his heart was hard towards them when they came back into his life. It's, it's a parallel to us as Christians uh, seeking out the Hebrews of the Christian faith uh, and, and coming and drawing close to the Jewish people because of that. We're on a collision course as two groups of people that will definitely intersect and meet and, and see an incredible move of God if we're not already seeing it. Uh, but Judah stands out. You know, he's the one that has the scepter. Uh, he's the one that's going to rise up and bring forth the Messiah. And so uh, we know that uh, Judah had a little escapade early on in his in his life, uh, the story of Judah and Tamar. Uh, but, you know, once again, it's back on track with, with, uh, with, uh, with Judah and Joseph. And so Judah stands up, you know, and he says, you know, uh, he's going to get into this. So uh, Judah wanted to take the place of Benjamin to be Joseph's bondman. Uh, they actually said, whoever's you know, bag holds this cup, may he be killed. You know? yeah. And that's a pretty severe statement. Well, let's to, catch to, up, and just in case. So, so last week, uh, during the Torah portion of Miketz, uh, you know, Joseph knows who his brothers are, but his brothers don't recognize him. And so he has them come over to the house, throws a party for them, welcomes them, and then when they're leaving, they're leaving with their grain and whatever gifts Joseph gives them, but he sets them up. And how does he set them up? He sets them up by putting his cup or his divination cup into the Benjamin's bag of grain. 
And so as they're leaving, he sends uh, away the head of his house to go and catch up with them and ends up, you know, cutting open all the bags. Boom. All of a sudden now uh, Benjamin has this cup and, it, you know, it's perceived that he's stolen the cup. And then what happens? Joseph sees all the brothers, well, at least Judah, uh, throw himself on the sword and say, look, I can't, this can't happen again. We can't let our father go down into the grave with his gray hair. Um, or am I getting ahead? Am I getting ahead or am I behind? No, no. They, they actually, uh, well, we'll have to see that storyline play out, I would think. Uh, you know, Joseph was going to actually tell them, hey, listen, whoever has the cup, I'm not going to kill them. Listen, yeah. uh, they're going to be my bond servant. They're going to be my my bondman or my, my, my servant. So Judah's going to step up. You know, he just could not see uh, Benjamin not going back to his father, even though Joseph was favored and thrown into a pit and all of this. Uh, it seemed like Judah learned his lesson and didn't proceed with following through with the same thing he did to Joseph. So uh, through, through a period of time, uh, Joseph's unloving spirit was broken. You know, um, just to bring out a certain, a certain point, it was interesting that uh, as the brothers were discussing in front of Joseph in, in their language, uh, about the situation, about their, their brother being thrown in the pit and everything. Uh, it was Reuben who, who really stood up and said, hey, you know, I wanted to save him. I was going to go back. And then, you know, he was sold into Egypt, you know. And so when Joseph actually heard that Reuben actually loved him and cared for him, was going to save him out of the pit, he actually had to leave the room and weep. Right. So I, I believe this is even a sign for today, uh, the stigma against Christianity that Judaism would have because of the Holocaust and the Crusades and the Inquisitions and all that, I think their heart is being softened uh, from unloving to loving. And I, I see it done in stages. Yeah. So at this point, you know, uh, you know, with, with the story of Reuben wanting to save Joseph, it kind of it just kind of softened him up a little bit. And then, of course, when they brought uh, Benjamin back, it softened his heart even more. But even when, when they were, of course, when he was asking them about their father, how is your father? Yeah. Oh, he's well. So he was excited. Joseph was excited that his father was even still alive. And so he had to leave the room and weep. So you're going to see something that's going to be happening here. Uh, it's a third weeping. And uh, so when Joseph could not refrain himself anymore and cried, what did he tell every man to do except his brothers? He kicked everybody out. Right. Caused every man to go out for me. You know, Ryan, this reunion of the two houses, Ephraim and Judah, of, of Christian Jews coming together. I'm telling you right now, uh, it, the world's not invited. This is an intimate, special thing. And those that criticize this move of the two houses coming together, they will not be in the reunion. You know, and so this is what's really sad about it because right now it's a family affair. And so what did the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh hear? Uh, well, did they hear Joseph, Joseph weeping aloud? Joseph they overheard wept aloud. It. Yeah. Joseph wept aloud and... Uh, I love this famous line, you know, uh, he, he, you know, he says, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? What was their response, the they, boys? Well, they were, they were troubled. They were like, I mean, now think about it. He's, in their mind, he's been dead, or, you know, for all that time, or he's been sold into slavery, so they don't know what's happened to him. They obviously didn't expect it to be, you know, the regent, the viceroy of, of e all of Egypt, the guy that's, you know, giving them trouble, you and, know, and they're obviously troubled, but... Yeah. Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef. I am your brother. I am Joseph. I am, I am Joseph. Yeah. And so uh, did Joseph comfort his brothers by telling them not to be grieved or angry at one another? Yes. That's found in Genesis 45.5. Yes. You know, I want to remind everyone that this reunion takes place 
outside the land of Israel. Mm. You know, if you stop and look at the whole house of Israel that's scattered around the world, made up of Jews and non-Jews, this is an incredible story that's unfolding right before our very eyes. And nobody can seem to make sense of it, but it's really quite simple. Ephraim means the, the nations. The nations are coming coming back to Yahweh, coming back uh, to the covenants, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Ryan. And, and what I'm excited about is the simple fact that, you know, all of the tribes were, were born outside the land of Israel, except for Benjamin, which actually would actually be like a type of Messiah because his mother wanted to name him Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow, which is a picture of the first time Yeshua came. Yeah. But Benjamin, or Benjamin, or Benjamin, is, of course, the son of my right hand. So this is, this is an incredible story of a reunion happening outside the land of Israel. Ryan, we are witnessing this today. As, as Orthodox Jews are contacting us to want to come visit, they're intrigued by us as Christians uh, to have a love for Israel and keep the Sabbath and, and, and do the Torah portions and the, and, the, and, the, and the feast days. They're actually intrigued. They're, they're, they're just really uh, interested in, in discovering this. So, and you know what stands out is Joseph's character here. Think about this. You, know, Joseph, you really have to have a lot of good introspection to be in the place where Joseph is when he speaks these words, because he's telling his brothers not to be angry with themselves because the things that happened to him were ordained by God ahead of time, and that they were just playing in uh, their part in God's plan. That's true. And, and just a little reminder, too, uh, when, when Joseph married the, the priest's daughter um, and had the two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, it was during the time of plenty. It was not during a time of a famine. So we know that... Uh, the question we have to ask in Genesis 45, 6 is, at that time, how long was the famine in the land? Uh, it was two years. And how much longer did they have until it would be over? Five. Now, this is incredible, right? God will always create circumstances so to, that would make, to get to his children. So that would make Joseph 39 in this scene. 39. You know, and, and here's the words of Joseph in 45, 7, Genesis 45, 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Okay? Talk about selfless. You know, I mean, he's telling them, look, not all, the, the things you did, you did to me so that I would go before you and save your posterity. I know. And, and so once again, wow. uh, Joseph is so excited that he, he wanted his brothers to leave quickly, get his father, and to tell him that he was a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That, hey, you know, he made something of his life, made something of himself, and he wanted his father to, of course, be proud of him. I can't imagine. And, um, and so what part of the land did Joseph want his brothers and their families to dwell in? The best part, the land of Goshen. The land of Goshen. And Pharaoh approved this. I mean, how cool is that? That Pharaoh said, take the, the, the fat of the land of Egypt. And I love in, in, in Genesis forty five fourteen it says, uh, in regards to Joseph, and he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Wow. Here they thought Joseph was dead and gone and buried. It's just like the two houses. It's alive and well. Ephraim is alive and well in the earth. And here we have this great reunion. And, and I'm reminded of, of the tribe of Benjamin, Ryan, that uh, the Apostle Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And as we look at the house of Joseph, which is not, which is not Judah, uh, that's who God sent to us. He sent us the Apostle Paul from the tribe of Benjamin to go and gather people for his name's sake. You know, and... Uh, so after, of course, he weeps with, with Benjamin and everything, he, he talks with his brothers, and, uh, and, and Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh finds out, my goodness, Joseph has brothers, and they're here. And, uh, 
and yet he actually uh, he he wanted Joseph's family to move to Egypt. Pharaoh wanted Joseph's family to move to Egypt. So this is how much favor uh, Joseph had. You know, we always pray for favor. Never pray for finances. Always pray for favor because God can move the the hearts of the people. And so. Pharaoh even gives them wagons uh, to bring them back to Egypt. He gives them wagons, you know, and uh, and I think that's amazing. Uh, and, of course, as far as the journey, uh, uh, Joseph not only gave his brothers provision for the journey back, but uh, he gave them uh, changes of raiment or clothing as well. Uh, you know, it's interesting that three things can be contaminated. Um, it's It's skin, clothing, and homes heard you say that. So you're going to see where a lot of times what the Father's been showing me through clothing and raiment is that this is outward appearance is not who we really are. The Father wants to strip us of that, and he actually wants to to put something on us that's from him that's true and sincere. And this is what I'm seeing in, in Beit Tehillah today even, or even in the earth if you so choose to want to do it, is to break off that facade of that fake clothing, you know, like, like with... With, with Jacob and Esau trying to be hairy in the goat skins, you know. Yeah. And, of course, you know, um, whatever clothing God gives you, like Joseph's coat of many colors, it's interesting that, uh, of course, Joseph was actually fully clothed by Pharaoh for his position. He was reclothed. But the, this thing about clothing is very interesting uh, in that sense to, for him to receive that. Um, and then, of course, uh, what did Joseph give to Benjamin, his younger brother? He oh, gave... Yeah. Sorry, Genesis forty five twenty two. <laughs> Sorry, you were asking me three hundred pieces of silver and uh, five changes. Wow! So he's really loving that little brother and just blessing him, you know. And that's the thing about the the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham always wants to bless people. And so he sends uh, Joseph sends his father ten donkeys laden with the good things of Egypt and ten she donkeys laden with corn, bread, and meat. Wow! This is a buffet on wheels. This is the first meal on wheels. You like that? <laughs> now, now imagine the good news of his brothers. Now, this is what's really cool. You know, nothing but joy, nothing but happiness. Uh, so when Jacob's sons came back and told him that Joseph was alive, did he believe them? No. He, he couldn't believe them. He, he couldn't believe them. I mean, now, think about it. It's been a, 20 years. But I'll tell you, what revived Jacob's spirit, what revived Jacob's spirit, he saw the wagons. He saw the wagons, he saw the surplus, he saw the blessings coming, and uh, he, he was revived. And, and that's what's happening in the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel today. But what does he do? Jews and non-Jews. There is a revival in our spirit. Our spirit's being revived. You know, there's this wearing down of the saints. There's this, uh, there's war on your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. But inside of your spirit is just rejoicing and, and wanting to receive all that, that that spirit's supposed to receive from the Lord. And... Uh, and so, you know, this is, uh, this is exciting, you know. And so now Joseph sends for his father, and uh, on Jacob's way back to meet Joseph, uh, where did he go first, and what did he do? Well, I, he went and offered sacrifices at Beersheba, and I think that's, you know, I think that's a testament to the character of And he Israel. offered sacrifices. I mean, you, yeah. hit, you give to God first, right? But he hasn't even seen Joseph. He's just so happy. And what does he want to do? He wants to bless God. I mean, that's... that's Beersheba, you know, from Dan to Beersheba is the land of Israel. Uh, we have many opportunities when we take our trips to Israel to go down to Beersheba. If I'm not mistaken, it's one of the uh, fifth largest uh, uh, population of people uh, in, 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 in Israel. It's one of the fifth cities as far as population goes. It's kind of amazing because actually it's the desert. And um, so, so what did God say he was going to do for Jacob in Egypt? 
He repeats the promise to Abraham. He's going to make you a great nation. He's so going to make of thee a great nation. Make of thee a great nation. Now, here, here's a good question. Did Jacob bring his entire family down to Egypt in Genesis 46, 6? Uh, he did. He did. And this is, you know, prophesied in the promises to Abraham and Isaac that they'll go and they'll live in the land of Egypt um, for, what, 400 years? And that they'll come out a nation? That, that's true. That's true. Now, here's where it gets really exciting. Uh, how many souls of the house of Jacob came into Egypt? Well, it's, it's 70, but it's really 69. <laughs> don't do that? I told him don't do that. <laughs> 70. Now, now think about it. Israel is celebrating their 70th anniversary of being a nation next year. And, uh, and that's exciting because the number 70 means the nations. Uh, King Solomon, when dedicating the temple during the time of Sukkot or Tabernacles, he, he offered up 70 bulls for the nations. And let me tell you something, for those of you that listen to the podcast, for those of you that have Torah written on your mind and your heart, hang on to it because we're going for a ride. Because right now the nations are being shaken. The, 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 the heavens and the earth are being shaken. The land and the seas are being shaken because that's the way you get fruit off the tree. you got to shake the tree to get the fruit. And so the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. And so we are literally connected uh, to Israel and the Jewish people. And so we need to, to really, really um, think about it. So, uh, uh, so which son did Jacob send ahead to Joseph? Judah. Genesis 46, 28. Judah, Judah. You know, remember... Uh, you're going to see this blessing come down that uh, Judah's going to have the, uh, the, the scepter. Uh, so when Joseph and his father met, what did Joseph do? Uh, well, Joseph fell on his neck, and they wept a good while, it says. That's right. That's you in know, uh, 4629. So if he was thrown in the pit at 17, came before Pharaoh at 30, you're already into the famine now, uh, which is the seven years after the plenty. He was 37, 39. So was he 39 years old when he got to finally see his father? Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. That You know what? That it's, is quite a long time. It's 22 years. You know, sometimes we want a reunion with our family, like within days or weeks or months, but sometimes the reunion of our family takes years. We have to have patience. Uh, we really do have to have patience. And um, When God does those things on purpose, he has to do it at the right time. You know, there's a way. He has a way, and his ways are higher than our ways. That's right. We don't want to jump the gun, or they call it, don't birth an Ishmael. Don't jump the gun. Right. Um, Take matters into your own hands. So Joseph tells Pharaoh, my brethren in my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are coming to me. Uh, he was so excited. And uh, and who did Joseph tell Pharaoh they were? Uh, he told them that they were shepherds, and he instructed them to make sure that when asked that they tell them they're shepherds, which is interesting because, you know, it also talks about how the Egyptians wouldn't, you know, relate with them and whatnot because they were, of the they fact were looked that down they were, upon. So they had to be like sanctified and set apart. This is an abomination. Separated. Yeah, but it, it it was a way of separating. It was it's it's interesting. You know, it's interesting too. Even with myself, I don't like to tell everyone that I'm a shepherd, that I'm a pastor. I like to go undercover under the radar just to see how people really are. But uh, at this point in time, the clergy is really looked down upon and degraded and. A lot of accusations and things, but the clergy's needed, Ryan. You know, the Levites were the ones responsible, uh, the priests, to teach the people Torah and to hear their problems and to work with them. And and, and even myself as a pastor, as a shepherd, you know, I'm like a, a coach. You know, I'm like the uh, the therapist or the counselor. You know, I'm here to to meet with people and help them through their problems, not to not to berate them or degrade them. You know, in confidential, it's 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 a, it's a it's a personal thing, but uh, I love when people come to me with a problem because leaders solve problems, and and Joseph was a great leader. He solved problems, and uh, and so they're going to do uh, they're going to do this whole cattle thing. Their trade was going to be cattle, 
And uh, once again, we already already brought out to to an Egyptian what was an abomination, uh, every shepherd. You know, I'm not going to go there. I don't know where it's at exactly, but it says that in the last days or in the days to come, God will raise up shepherds after his own heart. You know, are you a son or are you a hireling? And right now, the the Lord, he needs sons. And um, let's see here. Oh, oh, this is interesting. After Joseph came and told Pharaoh his family was now in the land of Goshen, how many of his brethren did he present to Pharaoh? He only presented five. He, he presented five. You know, we don't know what five, but he presented five. And, uh, and of course, Pharaoh uh, gave Joseph's family the land of Goshen to live in. So he gave them uh, the land of Goshen to live in. The family's fully reunited. They have jobs. They have a place to live. And uh, and then uh, what did uh, Pharaoh make Joseph's family rulers of? His cattle. So if you have a bunch of shepherds and you know, nobody cattle. else wants the job, he's going to put them so in charge. So here you of go. Cattle. You know, life's about who you know. So once you know somebody, you can move up the, the chain of command there in, in favor. But so it's okay to Pharaoh's eat cattle, the beef. You just can't. You just can't be the guy. I'm not even beef. sure about that culture, but yeah, I mean they yeah. they they had they worshipped animals. Well, why would things. Pharaoh have cattle? Very interesting to eat the grass. Yes, I love this. What did Jacob do for Pharaoh when he was brought before him by Joseph in Genesis forty-seven seven? Uh, in Genesis forty-seven seven, it says, "And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou?" And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days and years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil are the days and the years of my life have been, and that have not obtained uh, unto the days and the years of the life of my fathers in the days of the pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. See, once again, we are to be a blessing to others. You know, we can always just pray for people, help people, you know. Um, in uh, Genesis forty-seven eleven, it says... Uh, and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Um, this is a great spot to recommend a documentary on Netflix, I think, because there's a documentary called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and it goes through things like this Bible verse, right? Well, is it Goshen or is it Ramses, right? And when when did this take occurrence? Because there's archaeologists that try to refute the Bible, and uh, it's just a fantastic document. I recommend everybody see it. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about a famine, which is happening right now in the land of Egypt, as a matter of fact, it says in the Scriptures there was a worldwide famine. Uh, we're going to begin to look at uh, after the Egyptians' money ran out, what four things did they give for food? So, so at first it was their, their livestock, so their cattle, their horses, their flocks, and their donkeys. So after the money ran out, that's what they gave, cattle, horses, flocks, and donkeys. Uh, so after the Egyptians gave their cattle to Pharaoh for food, after, of course, the money, what two things did they next give to Pharaoh? It says themselves and their land. So we're seeing a, a great transfer of wealth, whereas at this, you know, if you look from an archaeological perspective, the way Egypt was set up is it was set up in, in regions with governors, and Pharaoh was still like the big, the big boss governor, but it, it wasn't that this power was centralized to him. And in this case, what happens is all of those governors, you see that the, the wealth and the power uh, all centralize under Pharaoh. And this is all because of Joseph. Very interesting, you know, taking the community to another level, you know, especially when there's a crisis like Puerto Rico and, and the hurricane, you know, uh, a crisis will bring people together. Um, or it can create separation and bitterness. But what did Joseph do with all the people after they sold themselves in their land? Genesis forty seven twenty one. Uh, yep, yep. He he removed them to cities from from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other, 
And then uh, obviously because they're now uh, slaves of the state, right, or at least workers for the state, now um, uh, he, he only exempted the priest, but he, gave, he had them collect a fifth part of the seed. So he gives them seed to sow so they can eat for themselves, but then also collects a fifth of that seed. So who were the only people exempt from selling their land? The priests. Very interesting. The priests were the only people exempt from selling their land. And, um, and once again, you, you brought out the point in Genesis 47, 24. Uh, a fifth part of the seed was required to give back to Pharaoh after Joseph gave the Egyptians seed to sow in the land. A fifth part. What's a fifth part? What's that as far as a, a percentage? It's 20%. It's twenty percent. So it's a double tithe. It's 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 twenty percent. Now, here's the interesting thing: in, in in the crisis and the famine, you know, were the people grateful for what Joseph had done? Absolutely. You know, it, it's almost like to be community minded. You know, you 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 have to understand that whatever you give to the community, you get from the community. Sure. You know, there's so many people that just go into a service and and buzz in and buzz out. And uh, the, the problem is that if you don't develop a relationship, when you develop a crisis or a problem and you don't have your immediate family, who's going to be there for you? Yeah. It should be the community. And so, well, in this case, yeah. it, in this case, he, he literally, the vision that God gave him saved the community because if they were all left to their own devices on their own, the whole country would have, you know, been decimated and, and perished. And, and I just want to point out that God creates the circumstances for a reason. Uh, the final verse is Genesis forty-seven twenty-seven. I want to read it out loud here. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. You know, that just reminds me, Ryan, of Beit Tehillah. You know, Beit Tehillah was started by a family of four uh, Pastor Tifa, Pastor Randy Dreyer, and their two daughters, Dina and Danielle, uh, Ashley in a living room. And to think about the magnitude of, of Beit Tehillah going international, global, with live streaming, with Pastor Russell uh, pr- providing that, and getting this message out, but still being a strong community and raising the next generation, I'm truly, truly blessed to see the tent pegs are definitely stretching out. We celebrated Hanukkah again last night, the seventh night, and we just didn't have enough room for fellowship. We had probably 150 people eating latkes and donuts and and kids running around. It was like it was just like, you know, it was just like a scene from a movie or something. But uh, it's a good it's a good problem to have. But you got to remember uh, that um, you know the God's children are everywhere. And so in Brandon, Florida, there's a big move happening here at Baytahila. There is an incredible move, and if and if you want to be a part of this, you've got to just jump in. Come on in here; you're you're more than welcome to visit, to glean, and to to grow with us. But we are definitely uh, growing. We have uh, uh, many families, many children, and we're just seeing unfold right before our very eyes this next generation. Uh, the numbers, of, as far as the demographics of even our church, uh, you know, we would say 25 percent are youth and children, and then I went to a third. And I think pretty soon here we're going to be at at forty percent. Maybe half the church will be uh, children and youth, which is great because when you look at the demographics of you know uh, the average church nowadays, you're looking at you know fifty five and older, and uh, and that's not a recipe for for future success by by any stretch. So 
Uh, all right, guys, you heard it. Vaya gosh, listen, this is one of the most exciting Torah portions. And, and here on our podcast, obviously, the goal is to just simplify the Torah, to just lay out the basics for you. Um, we did, you know, dabble into a, a little bit of the prophetic uh, significance here today. But just remember that the Torah is not something to be afraid of. The Torah is not something to uh, shy away from. You want to dig in and you want to want to read it uh, for yourself and see what God's telling you uh, out of it. Because you can really, really glean a lot from the scriptures, uh, and, and God is speaking through his word even today, even through the story of Joseph that was written, what, 4,000 years ago? And so uh, be encouraged. If you guys want to reach out to us, uh, you can go to our website at topraise.net, and there you can go to the Contact Us link and, uh, and reach out to us. You can also reach us by phone by, going to, uh, by calling 813-654-2222. And uh, you can always email us at 813-654. I'm sorry, email us at info at depraise.net. Uh, and remember, if, uh, if you like the podcast, please uh, share it on your social media platforms. And then also, uh, while you're sharing it, go ahead and review it on whatever platform that you're listening to it. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. So uh, God bless. Vayagash is in the bag. And uh, have a great week. Amen. Amen.